That's the. It's been like such a setup this morning. Such a divine setup. <laughs> All the songs and just what's been, what I feel like is on my heart to speak today. Um, it's amazing when he does that. You know, we've just been singing like "All I Want." The line in the one song, "All I Want." is to live within your love and be undone by who you are. That's what I feel like um, I'm talking about today. Somehow we're going to weave that together. It's just like our Father's welcome. If I had a title, I'm not great at titles, but if I had a title, it would be our Father's welcome. Um, And it's something that we hear a lot about, but our hearts have a lot of opinions about as to the reality of that. Um, Yeah. So, Father, I just want to thank you for everything you are already doing here. (laughs) I thank you that you just make this a reality today for us. We open our hearts. I just thank you so much for this honor of just being together. It's such an honor for me to be here to speak with you guys and to listen with you guys. (laughs) to what he's saying together. What an honor. What an honor we have as sons and daughters. Amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we are just touching and scraping the surface of what that means. And we took communion today, too, which is another part of the setup. Is this is just our full access to you, Father, our full access to you. Help us see your heart today. Help us see more of who we are and who you are in your grace today. Amen. So when I was kind of asking what to speak on, I was led back to a story. Um, And I'm mostly just going to, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to do a little bit of something. We're (laughs) going to do a little bit of something. But if you want, if you have a Bible with you, I'm going to put it up on the screen to her. I'm not. Miss Jessie's going to put it up on the screen for us. Yeah. Um, oh, the reference is John 4. Okay. Well, that's a good one, too. Those are great. That's all right. I'll just read it. <laughs> it's all good. Those are also very good. Um, John 4. And it's this story. So Jesus is at the well. And a Samaritan woman is um, getting her water. And she comes across Jesus. And you know how Jesus starts to say something that are like, he's starting to come out here. Like he's starting to say things that start to challenge the way we think about him, the way we think about the Father, the way we think about God. And so, yeah, those are also good verses. But those are not the verses, but that's okay. So John 4 right now um, Maybe we'll pop over there later. She says to him, You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. This is in verse 9. Why are you asking me for a drink? So the setup is, he's drawing her into a conversation with him and he asks her for a drink and she's like, Well, that doesn't make sense. Why you're talking to me at all. But Jesus replies, If you only knew the gift God has for you, And who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. She's a very practical one, this one. 
It's like, and, well, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor, Jacob? She doesn't know she's talking to Jesus. That's a little embarrassing. But she says, do you think you're greater than our ancestor, Jacob, who gave us this well? In another translation, it says, are you greater than our traditions? So just hang on to that for a second, because rolling around that, and it'll come back later. It says, how can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And so they talk a little bit about that, and Jesus starts kind of throwing out some things, like if you drank from my water, you'd never be thirsty again. And she's going, okay, what does that mean? But I just want to jump down to verse 19, where she, he tells her, um, he basically prophesies about her life, and then that kind of catches her attention a little bit. And she goes, okay, so you know a few things about me. Um, I got this question burning on my heart. <laughs> Let's see what you do with this question. And she asks him in verse 19, she says, Sir, woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem, um, that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim? It might not be how you say that, but where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter um, whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So you can see her struggling. She's, she's like, okay, I see you're a prophet, so tell me this. We believe that you're supposed to come and worship here and do it this way. And you guys say we're supposed to worship this way. And Jesus is like, neither. It's neither. And he says, we're gonna, you're going to worship a whole new way. You're going to worship in something called in spirit and in truth. And I've studied that. I feel like I've studied that for years. <laughs> and I have pieces of it. Um, what does this mean, like in spirit and in truth? And I'm not fully going into a lot of that today. But the part that I see in what she's saying is there's a lot of distance in her approach to God in this story. So she's like, we are supposed to worship a certain way at a certain place. And Jesus is like, neither. The way you're going to worship from here on out is spirit to spirit. Close. He's foreshadowing, you know, the outpouring of the, whole, of the Holy Spirit. He's foreshadowing that. But he's also saying it's going to be one-on-one. -on -one going to be much closer than a place. It's not going to be a place. There's nothing wrong with places, but your worship is not in that place. Your worship is going to be something called spirit to spirit, one with God. And she's struggling a little bit. She's going, uh, I don't know about that. 
and not question, are you greater than our traditions? I've had to answer that question like a million times in the last seven years, especially when Jesus has come to me and I'm coming to him with, I thought it was this way. I thought this is how it worked. This is, this is my tradition. This is what I was told on so many things, whether it's worship, whether it's prayer, whether it's what we do. We're supposed to do it this way, right? Right, Jesus? <laughs> right, Father? And that question is, are you greater than my traditions? Am I going to let him be greater than my traditions? Because when he's coming to me, like, that's actually not how it works. Am I going to let him teach me how it works? Teach me how it actually is. What I'm talking about today is intimacy and identity, I guess. We're going to touch identity and worship. That's an ongoing... (laughs) ongoing learning journey but he starts here by saying the whole way you worship me is going to change I don't actually require you and we're going to talk about that but I don't require you to come to a certain place and be in a certain way I mean we still have that don't we you go to one church they worship this way you go to, you go to Pentecostal church it's going to look like this you go to another church it's going to look like that it's okay I'm not knocking I'm just saying that these are our these are our ways some of these things are our traditions but the worship is something totally different it's heart to heart spirit to spirit it's close to him super super close to him you know I I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but, um, oh, thank you so much, guys. You're quit getting that up there. Um, have you ever been to, like, a party or something that you weren't directly invited, but your friend told you you could come to? Have you ever been in that situation? So, you know, well, yeah, we're going to, like, this thing, but you can totally come. I'm sure it's going to be fine. That situation. I was in Albania um, in 2009. Does anybody even know where Albania is? Does anyone know about the country? There's a country called Albania. It's, <laughs> it's in the former um, Yugoslavian territory in the Baltic Balkans area. Um, and I went there years ago. Very telling when I'm in the German airport getting my stamp to go through to grab my plane to Albania. And I tell them, they're like, where are you going? And I'm like, Albania. And the guy literally looks up and is like, why? <laughs> so that's when you know. Well, I guess people don't just go there. Um, There's not really a vacation spot yet. <laughs> so I was like, well, at that time in my life, I thought I was going to be a missionary. So I was just like, I'm going to be a missionary. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. That's uh, okay. Yeah. All right. So I go to Albania, but the funny thing is I I made several cultural blunders, but one of them was that I got invited to this, I don't even know how I ended up at this wedding. So I end up, I still don't quite know. It's kind of like they're so um, welcoming of foreigners, of Westerners. I think they were just like, come experience this wedding with me. And I was like, well, I don't know where I'm going. I just get in this truck and we go places and I do stuff so I end up at this wedding 
which their weddings, like you think our weddings are huge, their weddings are like three days long and intense and there's so much music. They celebrate the bride the first day, they celebrate the groom the second day, and then the third day they celebrate the coming together. It's actually very beautiful. It's actually pretty amazing. And there's music all night, all night, all night. So it's pretty cool, but I get to this wedding and everything's happening, everything's moving. One of the hardest things for me was over there. Um, this means no, I'm not joking. And this means yes, yeah. So for like, I, for like the first four or five days, I ended up with so much stuff that I didn't want because I can't work this out, you know? And we're at the meal. I'm at their meal and there's like meat, plates of meat coming around. I have had so much meat. I am trying to say no. But every single time they come, <laughs> I'm saying yes to them. I'm just like, ah, and it's more food, more food. <laughs> and the whole time. And they're like, what is wrong with that Canadian? And they were just like, ah. Cognitive restructuring takes so long in that. It's like, yeah, no, no, no. I had so much meat, but also, they come around, I'm part of the dance, somehow I got involved in the dance, <laughs> in a big circling dance, they're just throwing money at the bride, but I also got involved in their wedding video. <laughs> so they come around with like this big camera, everybody say something to the bride, I don't even remember their names, I lost that, I can't say it. So some poor, I still don't know them, some poor bride and groom, Albanian have this Canadian at one point just being like, ah, blessings, welcome, have a great life. <laughs> and they're just like, now that's uncle so-and-so, that's aunt so-and-so, and then who is that? <laughs> anyway, it was fun. But the whole time, it's like, you know, they did not invite me. You people invited me, so I'm a little unsure if I'm totally welcome here, if they really wanted me here. Yeah. And we have that in our hearts towards God, towards our Father. Like we've been told over and over and over again, I love you. He loves you. He wants you. But there's parts of our hearts that are still not sure. Still not sure. And that's okay. He takes time with that. He takes time with that. Um, Ephesians 2, 18 and 19. Sounds fun in there. I was glad. Wow, can we just go in there? Um, yeah, Ephesians 2, 18 and 19. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation, but um, whichever one you have is great. But it says, and now... Because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. So you are not foreigners or guests, but children of the city of the Holy Ones, 
with all the rights as family members of the household of God. So you are not foreigners and guests, but children. And we took communion this morning. That's another part of the setup today. We took communion. You know, sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had this, but I definitely had this in my life too, where where kind of the view is that Jesus made everything okay, but I'm still not sure if the Father wanted me. Like Jesus is, is the one that died. We can come, we can be welcomed. There is a peace to that, but, I, but the Father's heart was always to have us close to him and to have us home. And I can feel that that's bouncing. I can feel that when it bounces off of my heart in some ways too. And it's like our Father wants us here. Him, our Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, we're all in on it together. Very recently, I just had a picture in my heart that brought this home for me, too, where I saw the cross, and I saw I saw Jesus on the cross, but I also saw the Father kneeling down with him, and I saw Holy Spirit there, too. All of them so excited that this was finally happening. This was finally happening because the Father's heart has been come home forever. (laughs) But they just made a way together for us. They made a way together. And we are constantly learning our sonship and daughtership. We are constantly learning that we are children, that we are not foreigners. We're not outsiders. We know it here. We're constantly learning it here. Constantly. You know, the cross is this picture where Jesus' arms are like outstretched, right? I see that as this embrace of heaven. He's like wide open, just come home. Salvation is an embrace from heaven for us. You know, Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. That's our story, hey? And that's the story that Jesus told, and he knew that would be incredibly hard for his audience to grasp. What he's saying about the Father in there, so radical to the way that they see the Father. He's teaching us about our Father. You could spend so much time just on that one passage just to learn who our Father really is. Because he's saying, you know, the son runs off. It's actually a, it's a message to both the prodigal and the one who stays. Because the elder son would represent some of us who maybe were <laughs> raised in church or just more on that side of things. We've, we've kind of got both of them in all of us. We've got a little bit of prodigal in us, maybe a lot, of, a lot of prodigal. We've also got a lot of elder son who doesn't get it either. The elder son is like, I've been here the whole time, working and slaving for you, and I didn't even get a calf. So do you know the part in the end when the father sits with that son too? 
and with all the same grace and mercy sits with that son and says everything I have is yours it's always been yours if you wanted a calf you can go get a hundred of them if you want a party like I've been celebrating you this whole time everything I have is yours but this son he points to the prodigal was lost and now he's home you know it's both sons who are learning who the father is it's both sides of us who are learning who our father is he didn't want his elder son to slave and work for him he wanted him to recognize he was in the house already like yeah you did not go far you did not run and spend everything but you still didn't know me we can be in the house forever and not know him that's okay he comes again and again and again to show us who he is you see identity is so important for our ability to have intimacy with our father because if we don't know we're welcome we are not going to come close right you don't walk up to somebody who you're like yeah, I'm not sure if they like me or not like me or not we've been told that he loves us that might be registering here maybe it's registering here but you need an encounter for that to come home inside your heart <laughs> it's that encounter that brings it home to our hearts that he not only loves me but I'm working on right now that he likes me I'm working right now on I'm his desire. Like he wants to have fun with me. That seems to be where we're going right now. <laughs> and seeing him in some of the times your darkest and worst places and encountering him there. That's what our hearts need to know. And that's something that I can't do for you. That's something, you know, a message isn't going to do. This could plant a seed in your heart. That's what worship is. Because we get the chance to just sit with him and be very, very honest. And let him be very, very honest back. You know what I like about the elder son in that story of the prodigal is that he's just like straight up honest. He's not trying to be all like proper. He's losing it. He's like, I have been here this entire time. And you didn't even give me a cap. <laughs> He's just raw. He's just being real. And the Father comes out and sits with him, too. He'll sit with you. That's the amazing thing. If you, I'm, I'm sure you've had some of these encounters with him. When he comes to you, totally different than you thought he was going to come. You had that? Totally different than you thought he would. Those are the things that heal our hearts. Those are the things that change our hearts. Because some of us had fathers who didn't feel welcome. We didn't feel welcome with them. Earthly fathers. Some of us had mothers or fathers who just were hard to please, and we were just never really sure. Never really sure, you know? Maybe they were really hard on us. Maybe we had to perform a certain way to have them look at us 
Maybe we had great a great father and a mother. And we don't know we even need God as a father. There's a hundred different ways this plays out. But the way we were parented, the way we interacted with our parents transfers. Especially when I'm saying the word father, your father Jesus, this is what he did the entire time. He's saying, I'm coming to show you the father. Your father, your father, your father. That can be triggering. It was for me for a long time. For me, a father was like someone I had to be afraid of. So I related to God the same way. I don't feel that comfortable here. I'll do everything right so you don't get mad. All kinds of things, all kinds of things. And so it's a simultaneous healing. <laughs> and it's an incremental healing of our hearts to come and connect with our true Father and real love. And it takes time. And that's the opportunity we have in worship. And he's talking to the woman at the well. He's like, no, this is all about to change. You're going to come super close. You're going to have the access to me. You're going to have the opportunity to learn that I don't dwell in buildings and I don't dwell in systems. I dwell in hearts. I dwell in spirit to spirit. Yeah. It's like, I just keep hearing it, like the smile, the smile. You know, the smile of our Father. I've been doing this quite a long time in lots of different atmospheres. A lot of them very high performance atmospheres. And atmospheres where we're, you know, <laughs> We're, we're not quite sure yet how to approach him, but we've got a system, and that's okay. And I was trying to hold all this together for a long time at a high-level performance, and then one day, um, well, not one day, basically the crumbling of my entire life and persona, <laughs> everything calms down, and now... I don't have the strength I thought I had. And I don't have anything to cover me. And then in that moment, I see my father smile. <laughs> and when I talk to people, I just, you have to, I can see him right now. If he can learn to do things, to be in whatever from his smile, to live from his smile, that's the most freeing place. It's like, I could just close my eyes. I close my eyes a lot. Sometimes, you know, it looks super spiritual, but sometimes I'm terrified, and it's just like, I'm so afraid. Can you just come? And then I can see your smile. And then I can just go from there. You're okay. You're okay. We're okay. All right. And he's more okay. <laughs> he's more okay all the time than I ever thought he was. He's more kind than I ever thought he was. He's at peace. He's the God of all hope. <laughs> he is always hopeful. Always. He's never not in hope. 
So when I come to him, that means I'm coming to hope. He's never not love. So I'm always coming to love. No matter what. He'll tell me the truth. But he'll tell it in love. So we're learning. That's the opportunity of worship. We get to learn. You know, worship is not music. Music is the powerful conduit of worship. It's one of them. But it's not music itself, or worship itself. Worship is worship. <laughs> worship is this. Worship is, Father, the verses that we read today, I don't actually believe that. <laughs> or some part of me struggling with that. Can you help me with that? Yeah, there's been songs that I haven't been able to sing yet until something connects on the inside. It's real. It's time spent with him. And it's one-on-one -on -one connection with him. That's the in-spirit part. Remember back in, we just read about um, John 4, we read about in-spirit. You're going to worship in-spirit and in-truth. The in-spirit part has been done for us through the Holy Spirit, us spirit to spirit with him. The in-truth part is the honest part. It actually means genuineness. It means you're just going to be real. You're going to be real. You're going to know that you can bring all that realness and all that mess straight into his presence, straight into his face-to-face, face-to-face. So Hebrews 10. Nineteen and twenty-two is a challenging scripture <laughs> on worship. The title of my Bible says, "Our confidence before God." Total confidence. You know, sometimes we find confidence in how we do it, right? So we find confidence in the fact that. We are raising hands, maybe. <laughs> Not raising hands, jumping around. Maybe we find confidence in that. If I kneel down, that's more proper. If I don't kneel down, that's more proper. I know I've seen that in myself. But what's our true confidence before God? Verse 19, And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. <laughs> and he welcomes us. He welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. I think Mark prayed that today, without hesitation. Without hesitation. Amen? That's how he wants us to feel. Verse 20, For he has dedicated a new, life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. And since we now have a magnificent high priest to welcome us, there's that word again, welcome us into God's house, we come close to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced 
that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. Wow. We come close to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep me at a distance from him. (laughs) For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity. And we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. (laughs) Yeah, we're beautiful to him. That's the crazy part. You're not just tolerated. You're welcomed and you're wanted. (laughs) Like we've been wanted forever. We have been wanted. We're beautiful. Made beautiful. (laughs) So would we take it up? Will we take him up on that invitation to come close? what would it be like, you know? Maybe that's just my heart asking that question. I don't know. I just heard, what would it be like? What will that be like? Yeah. It's different every time. It's different every time. But it's always deep. And it's always open. And it's always welcome. Yeah.